Well, today we reach the uh, climax, the finale of our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Spirit. And inevitably, this morning, you'll be saying, I've heard that before. Well, it's the end of the series and I will be summing up some of the material we've had over the last six weeks. But, you know, we're all prone to forget things. Well, some of us of my age are anyway. And um, um, I like that crack that uh, Kay made about the age of watching the coronation. I remember watching the coronation. I'm quite young, really. But <coughs> I heard a story the other day about um, the French Revolution and uh, there were three Christians who were sentenced to death by the guillotine. And uh, one, one Christian uh, had the gift of faith, and he was due to be executed first. So they asked if he wanted to wear a hood over his head, and he declined because he said he was brave enough and not afraid to die. I have faith in God that God will deliver me, he said. And his head was positioned under the guillotine, and uh, they got all ready, and he looked up at the blade above him, and they pulled the cord but nothing actually happened. And the executioners were amazed, and they believed that this must have been an act of God. So they freed the man. The Christian who was next under the chopping block was, uh, he had the gift of prophecy. And uh, his head was positioned under the guillotine. The blade was there already. He said, I'm not afraid to die. I don't want the hood. God can deliver me from this uh, this, uh, guillotine. In fact, he said, God will deliver me from this guillotine. And as they pulled the the rope again and again, it still didn't fall fall down. And the puzzled executioners assumed that this must be a miracle of God. So they freed the man. The third Christian, they positioned him under the uh, guillotine. Uh, He didn't want the hood either, but he had the gift of helps. And he he lay there, he said, I'm as as brave as those other two guys. And they positioned him face up under the guillotine. Just as they were about to pull the rope, he stopped them. And he said, hey, wait a minute, I've just found the problem with your guillotine. (laughs) Maybe he didn't want the gift of helps at that point, I don't know. But one thing has struck me as we've, uh, in this series that we're talking about, the word in the Greek is charismata for for the gifts of grace, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as with anything in our Christian lives, it's all about grace, isn't it? You were saved by grace, you came to faith by grace, by the grace of God. It's not earned. It's not deserved. You don't, uh, there's no merit in you which des- made you deserve the gift of faith. But actually, it's a, plain, a playing field which is uh, level for all of us. It's a gift of grace. And the gifts of spirit are not to be confused with natural talents. You and I are unique human beings. God made us who we are. We're very special to our Father in heaven. But we were born with innate traits and talents that fit us uniquely for running our race of life. But sometimes a grace given, a grace gift is given by the Spirit, which enhances a natural talent. For instance, you might be blessed with a talent for music, and you're able to play the piano without any reference to the music score. And maybe enhanced by the Spirit, that might mean that you would take on worship leading or bless your church in that sort of way. But of course, when the Holy Spirit gives a gift... It's way beyond, often beyond anything we were able to do in the past. As we were hearing last week about wisdom and knowledge, the Holy Spirit sometimes gives insights about tough and difficult issues which are way beyond our expertise. I remember a time when uh, we were on college mission. Um, Some of you know I used to teach at Moreland's College. We were on college mission up in Scarborough. And some of you who know Clive Bernard, 
um, uh, and you will know that he was involved in the organisation of that particular mission. And uh, there was a guy on the streets. Of, uh, he was doing street work with a few others, but he was by himself on this particular occasion. He was Japanese, and uh, his name was Hiro. And uh, he was talking to people. He had very good command of English, and he spoke to people. And there was one guy he found outside, standing outside loitering outside a shop. And he said, will you come with me and uh, have a cup of coffee with me? And the guy said, yeah, okay. So he went with him and had a cup of coffee. Well, they enjoyed this cup of coffee. They spoke and chatted. And then, he, then Hero said, do you mind if I pray for you? Now, bear in mind, Hero had no experience up to this point of the uh, gifts of the Spirit in this sort of way. And as he prayed for the man, suddenly there was a, a, a word of knowledge and understanding, a wisdom which came out from his lips as he prayed for this man. And the guy stopped him short in his prayer. He said, hey, up. How do you know those things about me? You couldn't possibly know those things about me. So he prayed some more for him, and he led the guy to faith in Christ. The interesting thing is that he was up from Hull that day, and he, he and his mate were actually casing the, the joints of the uh, shops, and they were going to do a robbery that particular day, and he came to the Lord. Hero spiked that one. Um, but please remember that when we worship, the God that we worship is far beyond our understanding, and there'll always be mystery in our faith. Why does God do this through this person and use this person? Why doesn't he do it through this person? It's because he's God and we're not. We don't know that what lies behind. I used to say to the students at Moreland's sometimes, it's as if God, as we're walking down the pathway of life, is behind a bush and he suddenly jumps up and says, hey, gotcha, because it's a mystery. And we have to realise that our faith, there is a mystery in our faith. God is beyond our wildest dreams. And yet he chooses to love us, he chooses to extend his grace towards us and give us gifts in order to serve him. First thing I want to talk about is gifts for everyone. That's really what this is about today. Because as we look at uh, various passages in the Bible and examine them, as we look particularly at Acts, we'll realise that as you start from the beginning of Acts, right the way through, there is this understanding that the gifts of the Spirit were given to all that nobody was excluded. If you remember the disciples on that uh, uh, first ascension day in Acts chapter 1 were watching as Jesus was ascended into heaven. The angels came and they said to them that, that in the way you saw him go, he will return. But Jesus had already said to them, wait in Jerusalem. Stay there until you're empowered by the Spirit. And that's what they were doing. They were waiting in Jerusalem. Now, there were about 120 of them, we're told, in, in that chapter. And whether they were in the upper room, I guess the upper room might well not have been big enough, but they often went to the temple courts to worship and to pray. And maybe the Spirit came upon them that day in the temple courts. I don't know. But all we know is they were very quickly, there were people on the scene who were from all parts of the empire that had gathered for the Feast of, the week, feast of Weeks, Feast of Pentecost, and they heard these disciples having been empowered by the Spirit, speaking wonderful words in their languages. And that's what it was. The Holy Spirit was given initially to bring good news to the world. Now, there's been some debate over the years about, was it the upper room, was it the temple courts? We don't know. Sometimes we suggest it might have been an upper room, but 
For whoever it was, those people from those different countries heard the disciples speaking in languages that were familiar, familiar to them. You may remember, as Kay read that reading, they said, well, weren't these people just Galileans? Weren't they just from the north of the country? And the Holy Spirit came upon all the disciples, we're told, that were gathered to wait as Jesus had instructed. All the disciples. There was no discrimination. There's no, the women were there as well as the men, we're told. They all received that power of the Spirit that day. You remember that women in the Roman Empire at that time were regarded particularly as second-class citizens. But God empowered them that day. God doesn't have favourites. And the gift of the Holy Spirit was for all and none were excluded. And then Peter gives his appeal at the end of his preaching to the crowds. He says, repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are afar off, to all whom our Lord God will call. So if we're called by God, the gift of the Spirit, the empowering of the Spirit is for you, it's for me, it's for all of us. He'd already quoted Peter in his sermon that I will pour, that the passage from Joel, in Joel 2, it says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. And even upon my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. There's no discrimination. Now, it seems to me that God's purpose was to pour out his Spirit on all who acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Leadership, ordinary members of the church, children, female, male, servants, as well as masters, the word of God came to all of them. And as we progress through the book of Acts, we come to that remarkable chapter 10. And in chapter 10, you'll remember that Peter is up in, in Joppa, is uh, relaxing, having a, a relaxing day in a nice seaside place, and uh, he's given a remarkable vision. And he's challenged about his prejudice against Gentile people. And God arranges for him to go to Caesarea to meet Cornelius, a centurion, who is prompted by God to send servants to fetch Peter. Now this was a major step forward for Peter. Jews were not supposed to even enter the house of a Gentile. And yet having heard why Cornelius sent for him, Peter begins to share the good news with the whole household. That means there were servants, there were family, the whole of the household of Cornelius was there. Perhaps even some of the soldiers were there as well. And the Holy Spirit, we're told, came upon all who listened. Now, it says this, Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. And they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And that day, something happened amongst the, the, in, the, in that particular part of the universe that actually those Gentiles received the Holy Spirit, which was far beyond Peter's experience. And when Peter was called to account for this and his actions to the church in Jerusalem, in the next chapter of Acts, he says, I began to speak and the Holy Spirit came on them just as he came on us at the beginning. And then I remember what the Lord has said, John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And remarkably, Peter, a true blue Jew, who was prejudiced against the Gentiles, no respect, was shown that God is no respecter of persons. 
that the gift of the Holy Spirit's power is for everyone. No one is excluded. Gentile, Jew, woman, man, slave or free. All are included. And Peter, later on, when he writes his letter, he says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. In other words, the inference is that you have received gifts. You're God's people. You know him. You've been born into the family of God. Now you have a gift. Now use it. And uh, I believe that every believer is given gifts by the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that although we're instructed by Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 to eagerly seek the best gifts, particularly he mentions prophecy. He wants us to understand that actually he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 12, all these are the work of one spirit and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. You can ask God, please give me that gift. I want that gift. I like that gift. You can ask God for that. But remember, it's the Holy Spirit who says, this is the gift I'm giving to you. Maybe the one that you've asked for, maybe not. You can ask for specific gifts, but he gives as he desires. Why? Because he knows best. Because he knows my personality. He knows my passion. He knows who I am. And I have to remember that he's in control. And he gives the gifts as he desires. Okay, secondly. Okay, the gifts are for everyone. But when do we receive the gifts of the Spirit? Now, this has always been a difficult question for believers to negotiate because are we re, do we receive these gifts when we're converted, when we put our faith in Jesus, or do we need to have a second experience, which some call baptism of the Spirit or filling of the Spirit? And my understanding is that when we put our trust in Jesus and turn from sinful disobedience to follow God, we receive the Spirit of God. And his task is then to reproduce the life of Jesus in us. Read Galatians 5 sometime and uh, ponder on those, those, the teaching about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is really actually the life of Jesus. And that's what the Spirit of God is wanting to do in you and me, to reproduce in us. Romans 8 verse 9 says this, if anyone, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. In other words, because we receive the Spirit, when we re receive Christ into our lives, when we trust Him, His Spirit comes into our lives. And He says again in Romans, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. God's children. Amazing. God's children. And my contention is that actually we receive the Holy Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit, at our conversion, and He begins that process of transforming us into the likeness of Christ, he also gives us God's precious gifts too. But one of the problems we have is that often we don't pray at the moment of conversion for people to receive the gift of the Spirit. And maybe we should. David Pawson and uh, Jim Graham uh, both mentioned the fact that we need the whole package, not part of the package, when we lead someone to Christ. Consequently, many of us live our, try and live our, live our lives without the empowering of his spirit. Spirit is there. We have allowed him to have control. When I worked in the Birmingham area some years ago with Scripture Union, I followed a Phillips electrical van out of the city on one particular road. And I was struck by the wording on the back of this van. 
And it said, always available, but seldom required. And I thought, well, that probably fits why they're saying that about their service uh, agreements. But actually, it's a bit like us with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Always available, but we try and do God's work our way without depending on the power of the Spirit. Now, often people will speak of a second experience, which they call baptism or filling of the Spirit. They've realised that they need to hand over everything to God and ask for his empowering. But I don't think it needs to be a second experience because when we're converted to Christ, we receive the whole of the Holy Spirit, not half of him, not part of him. We receive the all of the Holy Spirit. The problem is, he didn't often receive all of us at that particular moment. I picture it as a bit like a, an old aunt and uh, she uh, deposits a million pounds in my bank account and I live for years with that money just lying dormant in my account. I forget it's there, I even deny its existence and certainly never touch the money. And then comes the day when I wake up to the reality of the money and I begin to write checks on the account and I began to spend it. What an exciting moment that is when I begin to spend that money. And it's like that with us often, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given, but he seems like he lays dormant and we've not been empowered by the Spirit in that sort of way. We've not allowed him to have full control. Someone pictured it. It's like when you uh, uh, have a new house and you open the, you put the key in the lock, you open the door and you go into the, the first corridor you come to. But there are rooms on either side and you never open them and you stay in that corridor. And God wants us to allow all of our lives to be open to the Holy Spirit, every room of our life. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 1. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You've received a guarantee, a deposit in your life. That's what you've received. Now we need to wake up, open up to God's Spirit, hand our lives over to Him and ask Him to fill us, baptise us, whatever language you want to use. But if we're truly converted, we need to live in the good of the power of the Spirit. God's precious gifts are there in our lives. From the beginning of faith, we need to discover what they are and put them into operation. And then thirdly, are they mine to use? Are they really mine to use? Well, the simple answer is yes. When God gives his gifts to us by his grace, which is we discovered at the beginning, we, ne- we never work for them, we never earn those gifts. We certainly deserve them on merit, but actually when God puts them into our lives, he doesn't, never withdraws them. It says this in the message version of Romans eleven twenty nine: God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never cancelled, never rescinded. Listen to those words again. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never cancelled, never rescinded. God is at work, and God's not going to take them back. When I consider the number of times that I've messed up in my life, the times that I've got things wrong, and I've fallen perhaps away from him, I have to realise it's all by grace. And grace is always described as getting what you don't deserve. Remarkably, these gifts of the Holy Spirit are under our authority to use. You're able to use or operate the gifts or not in 
because you are who you are, the gifts you've been given. It's wrong to declare, oh, I had to blurt out that tongue, I had to say that prophetic word, because God hands those, word, those, the control of those gifts to us. Paul says that to 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 14. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. The more I think about this, I'm amazed that God puts so much trust in us as his children. And his attitude seems to be, you've been given the gifts of grace. Use them wisely. Bless the church. Give out to the world around you. And as you, as you right at the beginning of this series, we learned, didn't we, from Chris, that we, the, the gifts are given to encourage, to edify, and to strengthen God's people. Don't squirrel the gifts away. Don't put them away in a back cupboard. But use them to honour God. That's what he's, he's asking us to do. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are tools, not toys. We've heard that before in this series. And we're to use them to honour God, to build up his church. The gift of the Holy Spirit, predominantly at the beginning, was given in order that the word of God could be preached to those that were outside. Now this past weekend, we've been celebrating, haven't we, the platinum jubilee of our beloved Queen. And one of the key things that's been highlighted all the way through, and it's come through so many people, is her service for her country, for her people, for you and for me. And she certainly has that, that gift of serving. But it comes because right at the beginning, she gave herself to God and said, I want to serve this people. That was her heart. I believe the Holy Spirit came and has given her the ability to do that. Now listen, my, my gifts are not better than yours, but they will be different because this is part of God's ingenious plan for you and me as individuals. Remember that we're called to be supernaturally natural, not weird. Get hold of that one. We're called to be supernaturally natural, but not weird. God gives you gifts, gives me gifts. He wants them to be used in order to bless and honour him predominantly. Remember, the Holy Spirit's job always, and I think Kay mentioned this a few weeks ago, that to, his job always is to point towards Jesus. He's a signpost. He always points towards Jesus. So the gifts that he gives us are always to point people to Jesus so that my life might be different and it points people to Jesus. So that I, the words that I use would be pointing people to Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So in summary, God gives his gifts to all who love and know him. They were given the moment the Holy Spirit came into your life. Thirdly, use them wisely. Test them and use them. And make sure they bless God's people and honour him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the precious gift of your Holy Spirit who comes into our lives to show us Jesus, to point us towards him. Thank you that on that day when we trusted you as our Lord and Saviour, Lord Jesus, he came into our lives. Thank you for his precious gifts that he brought with him. Thank you for the empowerment to, to live by the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you for the gifts that you give us day to day that we may speak of you, we may honour you. And Lord, we pray that the gifts you've given into our lives may always be used to honour you and bring blessing to your people. 
Lord, we pray, be with us now. Encourage us and uh, fill us anew and afresh today with your spirit. Amen. Matthew 7, verse 11 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And the Holy Spirit is a good gift. It's for our blessing. It's to help us to grow. It's to help us to encourage others. It's a good gift from our Father in heaven. As we begin to bring our song to a close, we're going to sing a song, Your Grace is Enough, More Than I Need. And another reminder that we don't receive these gifts on merit. It's because of God's grace. It's nothing because of what we've done. We're no better than anybody else, and it's up to God who gives the gifts to us, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us and he wants us to grow in him. Let's stand together and sing, Your Grace is Enough, More Than I Need. Thank you.
just before we close, I just want to um, see where the challenge was for you this morning. We were challenged, weren't we, that no one is excluded. No one is excluded from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if you thought, well, this doesn't really apply to me. I, I haven't got any gifts. Well, that's not what the Bible says, is it? No one is excluded. We all have and are able to receive from God this morning. I was really challenged by the fact that Dave said that we receive all of the Holy Spirit, but does he receive all of us? And maybe that's our challenge this morning. Am I willing to give my life to Jesus in the way that he's given his life to me? Or maybe the question for you this morning is, is what gift is it, God? What gift do you want to give me? How can I serve your community? I'd just like to sing through, I will fall at your feet. We have an opportunity to fall at God's feet this morning. You might even want to do that literally. And don't worry, somebody will come and help you back up again. <laughs> you might want to fall on your knees before him and say, thank you that I'm not excluded. Thank you that I can receive from you this morning. Thank you for all you've done for me. I want to, I want to surrender my life again to you. Or you might just want to say, God, what is the gift that you want to give to me this morning? Let's just sing those words again before we close. Thank you. together. Father, we thank you for this day when we've been able to celebrate the giving of your Holy Spirit, the pouring out of your Holy Spirit, the birth of your church. We thank you today that your same Holy Spirit is available. He is available for us today. And we thank you so much that not one of us is excluded. We can all receive the gift of your Holy Spirit, we can all receive the gifts that your Holy Spirit wants to give to us to serve your church, to serve you. Father, we pray that we would be those who have the posture this week of falling at your feet, of having lives that are available and open to you to be used by you. And Father, would you show us what the gifts are that you long to give to us, those gifts that we can use to glorify you, those gifts that you want to use to build up your body, those gifts that you want to use to show the world who you are. Father, we pray that we might be those who are ready and willing to meet with you, to be used by you, and to speak for you this week. So our prayer as we began this service this morning is, Come, Holy Spirit. Come and minister to us, we pray, as we, as we go out to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.